Welcome to I'm Fine, You, brought to you by Maybelline New York, where we are normalizing the conversation around anxiety, depression, and mental health. Now here's your host, Chrissy Rutherford. Welcome back to I'm Fine, You, presented by Maybelline New York. Maybelline's Brave Together initiative is dedicated to breaking the stigma around anxiety and depression while addressing challenges and providing resources to those in need. Hi, I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and on this podcast, we're channeling this mission into real-life conversations to help normalize the topic of mental health and provide tangible resources and guidance for anyone who needs a mental health boost. To provide mental health resources, Maybelline New York will make a monetary donation to mental health organizations in conjunction with each episode. Today, I'm speaking with therapist, relationship and boundaries expert, and New York Times bestselling author, Nedra Glover-Taub. She joins us today to discuss how depression and anxiety can impact us at work and in our relationships, and some of the ways we can seek out resources to cultivate a healthy work-life balance. Welcome, Nedra. I'm so happy to talk to you today as a longtime fan. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you are a best-selling author, therapist, and relationship expert. Can you tell us a little bit about the work you do day-to-day? Day-to-day, I help people with relationships, boundaries, and I create mental health-related content. I know. I, I love to see it on the gram every time one of your videos or posts pop up. You are also the author of Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. What initially inspired you to write this book? Being a human, I think there just wasn't enough information around how boundaries can be life-saving and also life-giving. So I thought that after years of working with my clients and seeing you know, patterns around, wow, this is a boundary issue, this is a boundary issue, that it was time to share that information with everyone. Yeah. I've been in therapy basically since I was a teenager struggling with anxiety issues. And I feel like even really like the last sort of five years or so, like the concept of boundaries, I think has really come into my awareness. And I feel like now we obviously have like so much more language to talk about our personal boundaries, which I think is so important. And so what do healthy boundaries really mean in terms of relationships with our friends, family, and even work? It means keeping yourself safe and comfortable in your relationship. So often we develop anxiety, we develop depression, we develop resentment and chronic issues because we are not speaking to our needs in our relationships. And it's such an important part of us being healthy. Yeah. I think even like the concept of like needs and really thinking about, okay, what do I personally need, you know, on a day to day, like the basic human needs to like, so that I can feel comfortable with the way that I move through the world? Yeah, I think that needs isn't a new concept. What has happened is we become more afraid of expressing those needs because we know that people have things going on. They have a life. We want to be in this relationship. And it just seems more cool to be like this DIY person. Like I can do everything myself. I don't need anything when very often we need the most. We need a lot. I wish I could help someone get my body out of bed in the morning. Like I need tons of assistance and I'm not afraid to say that. I think 
being a human is a lot. There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot with relationships and work. And the more we feel comfortable asking people for help, for assistance, to honor space and time and those sort of things, the better we'll be in those relationships. Because sometimes I do feel like there's this idea that we all need to be hyper independent and that we should all be able to, you know, take care of ourselves and do everything that we need to do. And of course, like to a certain extent, yes. But, you know, I saw something recently about how like being able to like meet each other's needs, like in a relationship is actually like the glue that keeps you together. Absolutely. I think relationships are a two-way street. And I think sometimes with boundaries, people get it confused. Like I am the one with the boundaries, but it's really both of you all have boundaries and they are equally as important. And it's important for us to not just have boundaries, but to respect the boundaries of others. We typically do that. You know, people can be very clear about their rules. Don't sit on my couch, eat here, not there. I need you to be here at this time. Don't bring so-and-so. But it can seem so hard to say those things. The things that people say, a lot of times they've practiced like, oh my gosh, how do I say to someone that I don't want them to bring, you know, their extra friend and, you know, all of these scenarios that we get into that seem like life altering. And sometimes they are. I don't want to say, oh my gosh, every time you set boundaries, it's fine. It's like, no, some, there are some people who will, you know, end a relationship because you said their friend couldn't come to the party. And we can't do anything about those situations. It's unfortunate, but it's also the least likely. You know, what typically happens is the person just says, oh, okay, that's fine. And we move on in the relationship. So in many cases, as we're setting boundaries, it's okay. It's a comfortable process. The hardest part is just saying it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, that's a whole other conversation also around like, what do we do with the people who cannot respect our boundaries, right? And like what that really says about that other person. It's hard for us to hear no. I still don't like it. You know, I wish everything could go my way. Last night, my internet was out and and the tantrum I had mentally, I didn't toss anything around, but I was like, ah, what do you mean it's not coming back up? I'm chatting with them like, no, what's, did a car hit a pole? Like, I need to know. I can't watch TV. That's a no. That's like, no, you can't use the internet. And I could not, you know, as many boundaries as I have and all the ones I respect, that surprise boundary last night, I was just like, oh gosh. So my solution was go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Just live another day. Just go to bed. This is is too much for one day. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. What are some ways of setting healthy boundaries to take care of yourself? I think time is one of the biggest spaces where we can better honor our boundaries. We so often get into situations where we feel like we don't have time for the things we love to do and we're doing stuff we don't like to do. I listened to this on one podcast and one thing that they kind of remind you of every time, every guest, they say, how many hours do you watch TV? We could spend a lot of time doing things like, oh my gosh, I have no time to read, but we watch 20 hours of TV a week. I have no time to to hang out with my friends, but we're on social media three hours a day. You know, so we really have to do like time evaluations and figure out what is depleting us, what is energizing us, 
what is, you know, sort of restorative and what is not. And those are the ways in which we could start to set the boundaries. Okay, so I'm I'm planning parties for, you know, five of my friends. Is that a restorative practice or is that a depletion practice? So really figuring out, is this what I want to do with my time? Are there other people who could assist with this and maybe I could step away from it? I have found myself in jobs that I'm not good at simply because I have the role of friend. I have the role of cousin or whoever, you know, like someone says to me, Hey, can you help me plan my baby shower? And now I'm responsible for baby shower games. I'm not good at coming up with games. You should have chose someone else. But instead of saying, Hey, I'm not good at that. I'm like, Oh gosh, let me scour Pinterest (laughs) to figure out, you know what I'm great at the menu. You know, like I can help you get together a menu, you know, if there there are things I am good at, but that is not one of them. I don't, you know, I'm not a gamer. So when you play games, I'm like, oh my gosh, can we play taboo at the baby shower? <laughs> You're like, I'm bringing Monopoly. <laughs> I'm bringing life. <laughs> yeah. So how do you operate? in a, in a relationship, but also in those areas where you're actually adding value. So often we'll get in this role of like, well, a friend should, or a daughter should, or whatever your role, a parent should, you know, you're talking to someone about their relationship on the phone for five hours, adding no value, right? Just, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Five hours. And then you get off the phone and you're like upset. Oh my gosh, that was such a waste of my time. It could have been a 30 minute conversation. Yeah. And I think it's tough. You know, we get into so many situations where we feel like obligated to do things for others, but I definitely believe that obviously within reason, like I don't want to be doing something for someone just purely out of obligation when it doesn't feel good to me, you know, cause it's like, then you're, you're kind of bringing this energy to the situation that might be a little resentful, right? Yeah. Obligation is really tricky. I think there are certain things where, you know, it makes sense for us to do them, right? If you're a parent. I think there are certain things that within that role of a parent, depending on the age of your child, that, you know, might be healthy for you to do. But I think of parenting as working yourself out of a job. How are you helping this person to better manage some of these things that you've been managing? So it's like, you know, right now I'm the manager, but eventually I'm going to be the worker in this relationship. (laughs) You know, like you may be telling me what to do. So I'll get you together and arrange everything for a while, but I'll slowly be retiring from this role. (laughs) So, you know, the older you get, you'll see me doing a little less. Like I won't be washing you up when you're 12, right? Like I'll be stepping away from that. Always here for emotional support, but some of the hands-on stuff, I will step away from it. And it can be like that in any relationship. You know, if we find that we have overcommitted, we cannot do that again, right? Like if if you have overcommitted and agreed to be in two weddings and that seems like too much, don't do it anymore. You know, the next time you're asked, you have the opportunity to say, hey, whoa, last summer I did two at a time and I'm already at one. I cannot do another one. Can I be, you know, supportive in some other way? Yeah. I think the weddings thing definitely trips people up. 
when it comes to boundaries. (laughs) So in an earlier episode, one of our guests, Alok, spoke of the lighthouse analogy in which they encourage others to be a lighthouse for their mental health, standing firm in their boundaries, leading by example, and in turn, others will be drawn to the light and learn from the example they set. How can someone successfully express their needs, say no, and be assertive without offending others? It's impossible to not be offensive because we don't know what other people find offensive. I'm always surprised at how much we offend people and we're not trying to be offensive. And, And that happens and it will continue to happen because we don't know, because offending someone is a unique experience to that person. What Chrissy finds offensive may not be offensive to Nedra. It's all going to be based on, you know, lots of factors. I remember once I was out with some friends and we were waiting to get seated and we were like in this, you know, area and she walked off to the bar to get a cup of water and she came back and she said, oh my gosh, I was so rude. You didn't get me any water. And I said, I'm not thirsty. I didn't even want any. Here you are thinking you did this terrible thing and I don't even care. Right. (laughs) Did not register. I don't care. Now, maybe some of the other ladies cared. Maybe they were like, oh my gosh, that was so rude. I didn't care because I wasn't thirsty. I, you know, I had a water bottle in the car, so I'm fine. (laughs) But I think we assume that there is some universal way of performing and that universal way will not hold up with all people because we're all wired differently. Yeah, absolutely. And your philosophy is that a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlie most relationship issues. So what are some ways a person can start to identify those issues? Where are you feeling frustrated? Where are you feeling resentful? When are you upset? What sort of things are you triggered by? That's how you discover your boundaries. You discover or pay attention to your feelings. What am I feeling? What's causing me to feel this way? There could be a boundary being violated. And sometimes we don't even know what that boundary is. Why am I upset I'm carrying all these bags? Because you want help. You see someone sitting down and, you know, they're not helping you. How do you say to that person, hey, I have a few bags. Can you help me? Yeah. I know I was actually, I lived with my parents for the last two years throughout COVID. And, you know, that was definitely a massive learning lesson for me around my boundaries with my parents and what triggers me, what triggers them and really like learning how to see beneath it all and like really get down to like, okay, what are the core issues that we're dealing with? Yeah. And I I think as you become an adult, it's important to reconsider your boundaries, even with your parents, because they are used to you being a child and now you are an adult child. And those rules are a bit different. So there is some boundary renegotiation as we grow in our relationships with our parents. Absolutely. What are some common misconceptions about a healthy work-life balance? The biggest myth is that there is balance. When I think of balance, I think of things being equal, and I don't think we can have a pot that is 25% work, 25% family, 25% social, and 25% sleep. I don't even know what the other 25 would be. I think for me, I would want it to be 25% sleep. I I think that there is 
this idea that we have to do it all and we all we have to do everything at a 10. And there are some times when certain things are getting three level energy for me. And there are other times when things are getting a 10, but there is no balancing of time because we don't have enough of it to balance. So there is this like ebb and flow of what we need to do and when we need to do those things. So if I am with my friends, I may be 100% in that environment, but I cannot balance that with work, right? So it's, it's more of a harmonious relationship of figuring out how all of these pieces of us can coexist. How do we create some sort of harmony with the full lives that we have to lead? You know, I think it goes back to that assessing how you spend your time and your energy. Like, is it everything about work? Is it particular things about work? It can be very hard to say everything is bad when it's one particular thing. Is it your boss? Is it the expectations? Have there been shifts? It's really important to pinpoint the thing that it is. Is it perhaps the career is not fulfilling? I would say pinpoint the thing and not attribute all of it as bad because most of the time all things aren't bad it's some part of it and then think about what changes need to be made is it a change in your habits around work is it changes with the relationships at work or is it a change of job right and I'm actually I'm genuinely curious like do you think burnout can be fixed while someone is still at their same job that has caused them burnout in the first place? I think burnout can be fixed in a situation where the burnout was caused when you start to think differently about the situation. Yes. I don't think it's like, if you have burnout, you must leave the job. I think it's possible to work through your burnout because I think about this, if we felt burnt out with things and we always quit them, how do we work through burnout? I don't know if we do. Yeah. So I often think like people think that a week long vacation will solve their burnout, but it won't. No. What happens when you take a week-long vacation and return to a high-stress situation is you want to plan another vacation. You dread going back to your work environment. And that is not necessarily the energy in which you should manage burnout. It's not like, if I get a break from this burnout, I'll feel better. It's really about changing the structure of that situation. And so that's why I mentioned pinpointing what is causing the burnout. Is it, you know, the communication you have with your coworkers, your boss? Is it the workload? Is it the hours? Those are the things that you can maybe think about changing in some way if you have the power to do that or speaking to the powers that be to have those things change, but it's not taking a break and then returning to the same chaos that you left. Yeah, I hear that. So now you have a quite successful Instagram account. Do I? With over a million followers. Amazing. I know. How has social media become a useful tool for you to spread your message? I think social media, it is a wonderful place to create free resources for people who may not otherwise discover them. There used to be a time when, you know, all we had was TV and radio. 
Now we have the internet. Now we have social media. And really being on social media is my way of meeting people where they are. I want you to be able to learn about anxiety, depression, relationships, boundaries for free. And of course, I'm not like, I need to be your therapist. I cannot see 1.5 million people. And the goal isn't always therapy, but the goal is awareness. It is, you know, personal development to some extent. It is certainly the idea that you have the power to change, whether that is with the help of a therapist or not. I am just seed planting. Hopefully, you know, something that I say or something that, you know, you see on there, you're like, oh, wow, this person said that maybe it's a term and it helps you look at your relationship differently. It's not always possible for people to go to therapy. It's not always possible for people to to read books. Books are long. You know, you may not want to read an entire book about a mental health concept, but if you could see, you know, like a, a one minute video on something, perhaps that is the healing that you needed in that moment. So I, I love being able to create content on social media for people to see in a digestible way, because unfortunately, I think that people have a stereotype of therapists that we were boring, we nod our head, you know, there's no personality in the room. And I think I, I bring a different perspective to that. I'm animated. I talk about these things apply to your real life. I use real life examples of this. I watch the TV shows you watch and, you know, all of this stuff. So there is some personality because we all have it. I think that, you know, people need to see like, oh, wow, like therapists are are people and wow, they can help me too. Yes, we can. We, we don't just sit there and, you know, there's so many different types of therapists. So I am one version and I just hope that, you know, the platform opens more people up to the possibility of receiving some care at whatever level that they need it. I absolutely love to see the rise of therapists and just mental health professionals on social media. It's been so cool to watch. And like, even as someone who has spent now more than half of my life in therapy, like I still learn so much from professionals like you. But then I think there's also been this like interesting conversation brewing around like pop psychology, as they like to call it, because so many like psychology terms have become kind of like buzzwords on the internet. And give me two pop psychology terms. I think even like people overusing the term like trauma and, you know, there's just like certain narcissism. Yes narcissism, like emotional support. Like I know there's people who have now like applied like emotional support to like inanimate objects. You know, (laughs) this is like my emotional support water bottle say. And so it's been kind of interesting to see that happen. And I, but I think it's important for people to realize like, yeah, these accounts are to help raise awareness and hopefully like also, you know, help people to see that therapy can work for them, but you're not going to be able to solve all your problems through an Instagram account. Absolutely not. I create content. I am a therapist. I read tons of books. I go to lots of training and I still go to therapy. (laughs) So like none of that 
is a substitute for a personal one-on-one relationship with a therapist. I do think that there is some, you know, people who are creating content where it's like, you know, this term and then these are the things. And, you know, you have people who aren't mental health professional talk talking about these things. And I even think of that as awareness, right? Like it, it can be good for people to know what narcissism is. It can be good for people to understand what emotional support is. I think it's problematic when we start to tell people who they are because of something we learned on the internet. I think that's where the problem comes in. Like you're a narcissist. It's like, when did you go to school? What is your degree in? You know, that's where it gets a little weird when you're like, you, you're bipolar. It's like, whoa, like, okay, Freud, you know, I, I think it's. <laughs> yeah, and people sort of start to like pathologize yeah. things a bit too yeah, much. It's like, yo, we had a barbecue. Like, I'm confused how I just had a whole intervention around me being a narcissist. <laughs> like, this is not clinically appropriate. You know, so I, I think sometimes we take those terms and we apply them in inappropriate ways. I don't think there's anything wrong with people knowing the terms. When people come to therapy and they use a lot of the therapy lingo, I have to deprogram them because they will come in. I am a codependent with boundary issues and a narcissistic mother. I'm like, where do you work? Where do, oh, okay, you, you're, okay, you're a teacher. Okay, got it. Let's talk about how this manifests itself in your life. Like, let's talk about the people, not the, not the terms, not, not these, you know, structures you've created. I think it's helpful to know that information. It's like, if someone says, you know, Hey, you have high blood pressure. That's great to know that term. But I think what really matters is you need to start taking your blood pressure. Perhaps you need to get on medication. You need to exercise. You need to change your diet. Those are the things that therapists help with. We help with all the stuff that term means. So it's, it's great that you know that term. Great. Step one, terminology. But we need you to work on the things that exist within that term. Right. Because you don't want people to be more attached to the term or these stories they've created rather than like what is actually going on. Right. You know, it's really interesting sometimes when you talk to a depressed person who says, I sleep all the time and you go through their sleep thing and they're just sleeping like eight hours. It's like, you know, I know you found something that said if you sleep a lot, but that's like regular. It's helpful. Thank you, WebMD. I'm sure you helped me find something and I was wrong about a lot of stuff too, right? So <laughs> it's like, yes, that one time it was strep throat, but also I did not have that virus I thought I had. So we have to have that information and be open to other things as well. So finally, on your website, it says that you read about one book a week. Very ambitious. What's currently on your nightstand and any specific to mental health that you'd like to share? So I am a multi-book reader. So I read about, I'm reading about four books. One book is Creative Interventions. I would say that book is for therapists. If you're not a therapist, you won't enjoy it. It would be very boring, but it's good for therapists. I just finished Somebody's Daughter by Ashley Ford. I am also reading like this daily, you know, it'll give you like a little 
daily piece of something. So I'm reading a book like that. And what else am I reading at the moment? I just started The Prophets, which is a novel. Yeah, I've seen some people posting about it. Yeah, so I read multiple books at once because I never know what I'm in the mood for. You know, I might read a little bit of a book that's related to therapy and I'm like, okay, two pages of that enough, right? <laughs> so like, enough, I got what I needed. And then I'll, you know, read a few chapters of a novel and then maybe I want to read about finances. So I'm really all over the place. I treat books like Pinterest, right? Like, oh, what's on my feed? So I'm, I'm reading multiple books, but just finished Somebody's Daughter. It was excellent. I honestly think we need to normalize reading multiple books at one time and taking a long time to finish them. Yes. Yeah, we need a support group. That's how I read too. Like I read a lot of psychology books. I like secretly wish I had a psychology degree. One day I'll get there, but I'll read something like Internal Family Systems or when I was reading, you know, The Body Keeps the Score. Like that's not a book you can read in like one sitting. That book literally took me like a year to read because I would have to take breaks. It's really intense. And then, you know, in between I'll read a little astrology. I'll read you know, some like Buddhist philosophy, et cetera. But that's how I like to read as well. It's like, it depends on what your mood is. Kind of like TV. I'm like, we need to make this normal. And I will say that sometimes I will intentionally read a very short book. I can't think of the name of these books, but it's like a motivational book. This book is about 50 pages. I've read about, it's from the same author. I've read, you know, maybe three or four of his books. So that's a little trick for a once a week or if you just want to say, I read a book this week. <laughs> Get yourself a good old Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> read those 50 pages and you've met a go. Right. I think that's another thing. Like we, for a very long time, I always felt like if I'm going to read, I need to sit down for like three hours and read. Like that really made me a reader. And like, no, you can read for 20 minutes. Yeah. And I, and I think... The most important thing to me with reading is how does this apply to my life? What is the lesson in this? So if I'm speed reading through all of these books, I mean, even novels, oh my gosh, novels to me, is not really a novel. It's really like a true story with this knowledge, this historical context sometimes, and there's so many good things in books. So sometimes I will read something. I'm like, oh, close it for the day. That was a good one. I write that little line down and I move on to something else. And I don't know how long that takes. Sometimes it is an hour before I get to that point. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. I'll read something for 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, this was good. All right. Well, anyone listening, let us know if you want to join our support group for <laughs> reading multiple books at once. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nedra, for being here today. This was such a great conversation. I really appreciate you being here. You're welcome. Till next time. That's all the time we have for today. I want to say thank you so much to Nedra for joining us to discuss her work and sharing ways to navigate boundaries with work and our loved ones. On this show, we're here to provide access to mental health resources and support those who need it most. Make sure you're subscribed to I'm Fine You. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and this has been I'm Fine You, presented by Maybelline New York. <laughs>